0: Limerick Today with Joe Nash on Live 95.
1: Let's talk business with Ford Lease. Hassle-free vehicle leasing. Search Ford Lease to find out more. And actually, our next guest, Graham Burns of CPL Recruitment, also has an interest in rugby, club level, monster level and all of that and involved in it. Uh, Morning to you, Graham. Um, Hey, Joe. Yeah, this 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 is this is just look. It can happen, I suppose, in COVID times. But the fact that we now have, in essence, friendly, if you can call them that, interprovincials between the Irish provinces going on without the South African teams, and the whole point of this Rainbow Cup was to have them. It's it's a bit messy, isn't it?
0: Yeah, they're saying now the Rainbow Cup is in the sky. Yeah, so <laughs> yeah. Um, the uh, it is. And and to be honest, um, and I always kind of felt that that competition was just kind of shoehorned in at the end of the season and we weren't all really sure how it was to go. I mean, uh, you know, the final apparently is scheduled for the middle of June and the first match of the Lions tour is a week later. And you really wonder how that, how that would all kind of work. I, I, I understand, you know, the fact that obviously the South African teams will come in next season and it's a bit of a precursor to that. So I, I see where they're coming from, but, um, I think, you know, the provinces have a great chance to, to blood some new talent, um, not completely put out weak in size, but to, you know, introduce uh, some of the undoubted talent that is there uh, and use it as that sort of an opportunity. And I think no one would have any complaints uh, in that regard. Okay. Um, so let's see how it goes. But if it's no South Africans, then there's not much of a rainbow or pot of gold at
1: the end of it. (laughs) Yes, well, Munster go to the RDS, anywhere to play Leinster again on Saturday Mm -hmm. and we'll have full live commentary here with Don O'Sullivan and former Munster winger Ronan O'Manni, so people can check that out. Now, um, we want to talk to you and to our other guest, uh, Kevin Callan, who is a qualified barrister, consultancy manager with Graphite HRM as well, a specialist in the area of dignity and respect at work and Anne-Marie is with me um, too. Uh, and there's a story that we have on the Live95 website, Anne-Marie, that, that has got us thinking about all of this.
2: Yeah, it's on the buzz. Um, I, it's it's this kind of story that took off on social media on one of the platforms. I think it was Reddit had started there. Um, this guy, I suppose he was wondering or doubting himself after the scenario and and put it up and was getting some feedback on it but he had an issue with his work colleague calling herself his work wife um, at work Um, and that's fine. It happened a few times at work and, you know, I think he, he may have made a comment he didn't like it. Um, but then his wife had a baby shower and it's a very close-knit work uh, place. There's, you know, there's just a few colleagues and they're they're fairly close. So the wife invited the work colleagues to the baby shower, um, including this woman. But some and shower it turned out. <laughs> at some shower it turned out, all right, because uh, this lady continued to refer to herself as his work wife in his home. And uh, he said... Um, or she said that, a uh, you know, nice, nice to meet you uh, when she met her. <laughs> You're his home wife, is that is that the case? Nice to meet you. Nice to see who takes care of my hobby when I send him home. <laughs> oh. Oh. <laughs> um, so he was uncomfortable, the wife was uncomfortable, laughed it off, you know, just, you know, sometimes you're trying to judge a situation. So he said they moved on and they were enjoying the afternoon, but it continued. um, And, uh, you know, she made some comment later on in the day that she would be his baby's second mother. Uh, because (laughs) she wants his work. Why not? This sounds nuts, doesn't it? Uh, It must be American. Um, So anyway, um, he took her aside and he said, look, you know, everyone's uncomfortable. We're not comfortable with this. I've mentioned it to you before. Um, He asked her to apologise to apologise or to leave. And so she chose to leave. Now, he, you know, he felt afterwards, small workplace, a few colleagues always usually get on well. They do have banter in the workplace. Did I judge, misjudge this situation? Should I have left it be and just taken it as a laugh or the fact that we were all uncomfortable was our right to actually raise it with her um, and the overwhelming response seems to be online that he should have gone to HR about it uh, in his workplace. Really? Um, and Now whether he has a HR or not is another thing because it's a small workplace <laughs> and that sometimes can be the problem um, but the other issue we had is that most of the comments haps happened outside of work but it had started in the workplace so there you go how do you deal with that workplace banter?
1: Whoa, that is extraordinary. Well, Kevin Callan, you're a specialist in the area of dignity and respect at work. What do you make of that one?
3: Well, Joe, I, I suppose what people might be surprised to hear is that it happens every single day of the week. And um, That scenario, I've actually dealt with two of those in the last year around the whole thing of work husband or work wife. Um, it, it comes up all the time. And what Anne-Marie's after going through there and the, the public response, the first word I had in my notes here was the word banter, which Anne-Marie has mentioned already. Like this this is something which potentially could have been resolved at a very early stage in the, in the employment. And what we often find is that an employee should go to a line manager, even if there's not a HR department, they should go to a line manager or the company owner and informally raise the issue they're having. And then it's usually an informal conversation to move the thing on so that both parties are happy. But again, when you're, it's Ireland. When you're dealing with small, close-knit communities, this kind of thing can get out and can cause problems in somebody's home life um, where they're trying to explain themselves in terms of how they... Can I just understand, uh, they, they,
1: Kevin? So you are yep. saying that sure. that is something you should do and not initially approach the person who might be using the term.
3: Yeah, I would I would suggest if it depends on how close the people actually are, Joe. But what you would do is you would say, look, I find something uncomfortable. We see it all the time around it could be something around gender, it could be something around somebody's nationality, somebody's background, where, you know, it's kind of grating on them. We had one a few weeks ago to do at a warehouse where somebody was let's say from outside of Ireland where a comment was made. The person raised it with their with their supervisor and said, Look, I'm not comfortable, this has gone over and back for a few days. The conversation was had internally and everybody moved on. But it, it had to come from the supervisor or from the company to say, look, we just don't like this type of conversation. Certain people do find it uh, uncomfortable. It comes up, Joe, around people's sexuality, you know, all different, different types well, of well, scenarios. I mean,
1: something simple, for example. Um, you know, should in the workplace anyone ever comment on someone else's new haircut or their new suit Are their new outfits?
3: Yeah, I I think, I I know where you're coming from 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 that perspective. But I would say you always, when you make any type of a comment to a work colleague, you always have to say, is this something that potentially could come back in terms of being read the wrong way? So it, it is something that could happen at any time. So you always have to watch. And in the current climate, we're dealing with WhatsApp groups and we're dealing with Zoom meetings and we're dealing with people in a different form a different ways of communicating, so you have to be really, really careful. And Joe, what I will say is, often comments are made over the course of months or years and it's only when an employee raises it with the employer, they go back over a period of time and they say, this has been going on for some time. You always as the employer should say to employees, if you're not comfortable with anything that's going on come to us at the earliest opportunity and we'll address it. Once the employees know that you have a system for addressing these types of issues informally or formally then you have a way to fix the problem before it becomes a problem.
1: Yeah. Um, Graham Burns, I mean, what do you think? You know, is is anything like that, any comment like that, any sort of banter in inverted commas, just off limits now in the workplace? Yeah, um,
0: definitely it is. Uh, I, I, you know, I think um, the, the employer really has, as Kevin has alluded there, the onus is on the employer right from the get-go to establish the culture. Um, and in this scenario, in this example that you know you mentioned uh, incredible and all as it is, uh, you would wonder um, what the general uh, ways of working, as we often describe it, uh, within that organisation actually is. In most organisations that I would deal with, and, and you know, I think it's a good contrast between maybe some of the that Kevin would have, and we would have uh, there is a, has been a significant uh, investment in respect dignity diversity at work, and policies are clearly uh, set out right from uh, the get go when the new employee would join as part of their induction program as to you know what is not acceptable and what the uh, procedures are in place should something like that happen so again, you know, set out on, on, you know, with an organization to establish that culture that is uniquely yours. I mean, it's there's no, um, you know, science necessarily behind how you should establish the culture as long as your principles and values are there and they're not just, uh, you know, a poster that's on the wall, but they're actually lived by everyone within that organization, then you will invariably find that people know the boundaries. Um, And while there's always, you know, uh, a comment that could be construed as crossing that boundary, um, there is a, you know, a solid intervention mechanism to to deal with it. And I think, um, you know, uh, looking at where I would look at it and managing it, let's just say a contingent workforce of, up to 1,000 people across client companies. Uh, very fortunately, these sort of situations where an investigation would be required uh, into some sort of complaint is quite minimal. Now, I'm not saying that that means the uh, instances that you describe or examples of that are not happening. And am not, not saying that at all, but at least um, there is a mechanism in Place to capture it early and uh, the intervention is, is kept, so you know that's yeah. where I would be coming to take oh. the recommendation,
1: okay? But, but, but in essence, Graham, you're saying that you know, even commenting on someone's new hairstyle is out these days.
0: Well, you know, you've got to, um, you, you, you you've, it's all about the context, you know, Joe. I could meet you and I could comment about your, as I have done probably in the past, <laughs> in fairness, um, <laughs> commenting on. On that lack of your hair Absolutely,
1: yes. <laughs> Although it's amazing the number of people at the moment who are jealous of my lack of hair in the context of not being able to get to barbers or um, hairstylists. Uh, so, you know, these things, I knew it would come around eventually as a positive. But I, uh. So, you know, I could uh, comment about
0: Anne-Marie's hairstyle. If I, or rather, if I walked into your studio uh, and in our socially distant way commented on Anne-Marie's hair, I'm sure Anne-Marie would go, oh, that's a bit odd. And I would go, oh, that's a bit odd. But, you know what, I'm sure in somewhere in uh, uh, Live95's Policies and Procedures or Handbook or um, someone would be available to say, actually, you know what, that's uh, not a particularly appropriate comment. So I, I think it's all about the context um, and all about the culture um, that, that exists within an organisation. And it's that fine line we walk, because if you know if, if people you know borrow an inch take a mile, all of that sort of stuff, people will push those boundaries and it's, it comes back to where we draw the where we draw the line in a, in an right. organization
1: okay well I, I must get I'm back in the discussion in a second as well, uh, but uh, Graham Burns from cpL recruitment uh, <laughs> is with us um Kevin Callan uh, is with graphite h r m and here's an interesting one Kevin um, a listener who's saying i want to remain anonymous here, but mm. what if you have a scenario? where two people in the workplace are in a relationship or were in a relationship and something along these lines, you know, the work husband, the work wife, comments along those lines is raised as an issue by one party, usually when the person in relationship has gone sour. Where does the employer stand? And the individuals, given the fact that they were in or are in a relationship or were or maybe they were even married and separated, you know, Ireland being a small country? Mm
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, Joe, as Graham said, I would go back. If you're an employer, you go straight back to the employee handbook or the staff manual. You look for your dignity and respect procedure. You look for your grievance procedure. If the people work for you and if they come to you with an issue about a work colleague, irrelevant as to where they stood previously in a relationship or not, you, you must deal with it. I always say it's like the staff Christmas party. Uh, Once it's a company issue or once it's a company event, it's a company problem. So you will have to be seen to address it. You'll have to take it up. You'll have to look into it. In the course of investigating it, you might find that it's something that is outside the workplace. But you would always start off by listening to what the parties have to actually say. But,
1: I mean, isn't the staff Christmas party the single most dangerous event that a workplace can put on in a year now?
3: Yeah, very, very dangerous. Very little ho, ho, ho if it goes wrong. Oh, yeah. Well, it's awful talking about it at this time of the year. But what I would say with the staff Christmas party, you know, we do see a a spike in issues that come after them. And that's when you have a, a team together after hours where there's alcohol being consumed. It's still a company event, there's steps that have to be taken there. But to get back to this one, Joe, if you have somebody come to you with an issue to do with a work colleague, As employer, you have an obligation. You have to get into it and deal with it and Mm. look at it. If you're an employee and you feel something's not right, don't go to the other person. Step up and go to the employer. And if you're a manager, something to be very clear for your listeners on. If you're a manager, you'll find at the current time, managers are in WhatsApp groups with their teams. If you start to see that the line has been crossed, that the content is not work-related, deal with it because that's what can trigger later on a complaint like this where somebody will say there was stuff put up that was inappropriate, it shouldn't have been there, and you're better off to address it and deal with it at a very early stage. So if you are a manager or a company owner, if you start to see a trend where people are moving towards non-work-related communications, tackle that at that stage as well.
1: Right. Um, So Emery, what do you make of all of that? Um, Both of our experts are kind of saying that you know, outside of hello and goodbye, and very strict work-related discussions, there should be no interaction of any sort whatsoever in the workplace, or outside, or at the Christmas party.
2: Yeah, it's difficult, isn't it? Because the reality is different.
1: But, but they're almost saying you can't be different anymore. Yeah. That you have to go yeah. to the handbook yeah. and, 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 and but, report it straight to the manager. Don't even have a conversation yeah. between the people and say, look, I'm not particularly comfortable with what you're because saying.
2: Because of potentially what could happen or go wrong, yes, you, effectively you, you would have to behave that way, but I'm just saying the reality is different. Yeah. Like, you know, Kevin has said it there. He has he has cases, you know, and there's a there's a lot of and I'm going to use the, the workplace banter title just for the sake of it here. Sometimes the banter is banter. Sometimes the banter is complimentary. As, as Graham said there, if, if he walked in and, you know, I had a different hairstyle, you know, someone I know may say to me, "I'm I'm black today. My hair is black. And if I had a, a white head of hair in me tomorrow, I went gray suddenly overnight." Someone's going to say to me, "Mark, wow, you look great, Emery," or they'll say, I "Look crap," or whatever. Um, <laughs> and but like I, you know, I wouldn't take offense to that. But again, it comes. Someone to else that, might, though. But someone else might. That's exactly what I was going to say. Yeah. Someone else might, and that's the problem. And and it's a completely because,
1: like, cl- I know myself. Like I got you know, I, I, as Graham says, I'm follically challenged. Has it? <laughs>
2: I, no, you're bald, Joe. You're bald. It, you I'm, I'm to, bald. You have to. But deal as with it, it
1: happens, <laughs> as it happens, it just personally doesn't bother me. Like yeah. you know, I, I've been going bald since my twenties. It doesn't bother me. But there are a lot of men that it really bothers. Yeah,
2: yeah.
1: You know, yeah.
2: It's very dodgy, and
1: it's, and it's and it's it's where it can get really tricky. And the idea that you don't have the conversation with the person at all anymore, you know, because in the scenario that you outlined at the beginning, Emery, that when we have on the buzz on Live ninety five, mm. people want to see it. it he had had conversations with, with this woman about about it, you know, and said, I look, you know, and she was going, ah, oh, it's a bit of crap. You know.
2: That's the point, though, in my view, that's the point where she should have stopped. Yeah, She should have stopped at that point. Um, and possibly, you know, if she continued, then he probably should have raised it. Because as as Kevin said there, which I thought was interesting, an informal conversation should happen. And, you know, anybody with any cop on should know, back off. When there's an informal conversation, someone is uncomfortable, then you, you definitely should be backing off. And then yeah, it shouldn't pr- progress to anything further than that.
3: Yeah, Amory Joe. what I would say is, just if you go a step back from the informal, what some employers do is they provide a session for the employees around dignity and work. And sometimes that's people's eyes that what they could say could be construed, Joe, as you said, by somebody else as maybe an insult or taken on board in a different way. So it's, sometimes it's a good idea to just be a little bit proactive, just explain what dignity and respect actually is in the workplace. And once the employees get that, that kind of reduces the risk. Of somebody picking something up the wrong way or saying something the wrong way. Yeah. 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 I, I mean,
1: Graham, it's a fascinating area. And so there's so much law around it. But as you say, culture, I suppose, is what it comes down to as well. But the other thing is then, you know, can, can you suck all the morale out of a place if people are genuinely that worried about saying something even humorous? Because again, one person's humor is someone else's insult.
0: Absolutely. Um, I would like to think that the vast majority of us um, go to work because we enjoy it, or one of the major reasons we go to work is because uh, we enjoy it, and there's a social interaction with other people. Um, and uh, yes, there is every possibility that the um, that, that enjoyment factor is is going to be on the wane uh, when there are, you know, restrictions and in inverted commas around what can be said and what comments can be can be made. So. Uh, it is it, it is a fascinating area, um, one that uh, I think we've all got to be really careful of. But I still say again, once, and, and and I'm just looking at this from a CPL point of view, you know, we have core values, we, we drive those core values. If there is behaviour outside of those core values, you can be expected to be called up on that. Uh, and, you know, that's that's essentially... You know, from the top down, that that culture is established and, and then people very quickly realize, okay, there's boundaries and there's consequences if I step outside of those. And within those boundaries, there's still plenty, absolutely plenty of room where people can still socialize, still interact and can still get that core sense of enjoyment, which, you know what, let's face it gets us out of bed in the morning and please god that will
1: continue okay Um, and one other thing kevin um because you kind of touched on it with whatsapp groups and how active they've been with home working and all of that i mean how delicate is everything going to be when as the government is kind of hinting at this morning we might transition back to office working again come september
3: Mm, you see there's two sides to it joe there's the return in september and there seems, that seems to be now a government priority, but there's also then this right to remote work, or, where people believe they have a right to seek to work remotely, which they don't have the right to do. So it's kind of a bit of confusion, and employees are asking questions about this at the minute. But with WhatsApp groups, what has happened, I find the trend is that over time, people have five or six different WhatsApp groups on their phone. Sometimes they're not in the right one, or they're posting something in a, in a group that they shouldn't be posting in, and that's, that's having an impact on work. But over the years, what has always amazed me, Joe, is that you will have a situation with let's say a, a workplace relations complaint and the employer will say I never had any idea that this was upsetting the employee I never knew and this is now being put forward that it's gone on for years the whole point here is prevent it by going back and just letting everybody in the place know what you can and can't say and that protects, and but people will often say, I never knew, I never knew we were upsetting this person. Because people and the other,
1: the other the the other, other point is that with the lines having been increasingly blurred over the last 12 months on WhatsApp groups and also the times, and we discussed this in another context on the show last week, that people are contacting work colleagues day and night and weekends, Mm -hmm. one of the most dangerous thing about those WhatsApp groups is someone can be on it at 9 o'clock on a Saturday evening and because it's become the norm to kind of be and a drink or two is taken and next thing something pops up on the WhatsApp group that definitely shouldn't be there.
3: Yeah, the glass of wine yeah. has been blamed for many uh, a comment well, and, and over so, the weekend. And, and, well, it
1: and, and sometimes it's partially responsible for it.
3: <laughs> Well, actually, Joe,
0: just to come in on, on that WhatsApp, uh, I know of a, a particular example of a, a group that was actually disbanded there quite recently because, let's say, there were 12 work colleagues in the group. And, and it's inevitable in these scenarios, five or six people are, the, I suppose, active users uh, at any given time, and one or two weren't. And... Uh, you know the the uh, because one or two didn't make uh, regular entries into the group or text to send messages. You know it was felt oh there's something wrong with them and you know the, the questions were starting to get to. To, to ask are you okay because I don't hear from you much in well, the uh, Well I'm the glad WhatsApp you loop. said that Graham. and it works
1: the other way around so yeah, you know that It does sense. it's a very, very good it's a very interesting point and as someone who is one of the few people on the planet that doesn't have a Facebook page and the weird looks I get from people and the comments about it I, I fully sympathise with your position on that Graham.
0: definitely Well that you and me both on
1: Facebook, we must get. There's two of us. Oh jeez. God! Are we really that boring? Yes, is the answer. But I only mean that in a banter sense, Graham. That <laughs> comment about boring. <laughs> All right, guys. Listen, thank you so much. That was fascinating. Really, really interesting. We'll definitely be podcasting this conversation. That's for sure. Uh, thank you to Marie, of course. Thank you to Graham Burns from CPL Recruitment and Kevin Callan, barrister at law with Graphite HRM, who are specialists in the area of dignity and respect